all the support and for kind of having the opportunity to speak and share their experiences on space. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for um, letting my guests speak. Um, and you're doing great work. Carry on. Thank you very much for kind of assisting them. And thank you very much for uh, kind of uh, letting everybody like, doing everything possible for kind of letting them speak and assisting them. And so we're really acknowledging and really like great, grateful for your help. I wasn't quite sure it was going to work for a while because uh, trying to get the whole thing the techno over the tech difficulties took a while, but it's great. I have to say, to my surprise, I mean, I feel furious about what's happened. And I took um, Sergei and his family, I invited them here and our other Ukrainian family, because I wanted to do what I can to help. And it was the best thing I could do. But I have to admit, I have gained so much more back um, from having them here. So much more than I ever expected or ever, you know, and it wasn't the intention. But it has honestly been, it's been life enriching to have Sergei and his family and, and our other Ukrainian family here. It's... Uh, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah. Again, thank you very much for what you're doing for Ukrainian families. Again, uh, on behalf of kind of, of all the like all the Ukrainians, we're really grateful for what you're doing. We're really grateful for you sharing your roof and your app, like helping those uh, like vulnerable people in the moments they need most. It's it's really kind of recognized. It's really seen, and we cannot kind of thank you enough. For kind of for what you for what you're doing. No need for thanks. It's been it is my pleasure. All right, I'll leave it there and say good night. Thanks very much. Thank you. Good night and have a good evening. Thank you very much for today. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you, Yelena. Uh, I'd like to thank Sergey and his host as well. Um, that was a very touching um, intervention. I only got to hear the end of it, but uh, notes that I read here and there seem to indicate that um, it was uh, very enlightening, as well as uh, as uh, touching. And as Luis just said um, to all our Ukrainian friends um, here in Europe, uh, further away, and of course in Ukraine, and especially in the occupied territories, we see you and we love you, and we're not letting go. Okay, Juliana, do you want to add something? So, um, I didn't really have nothing more to, to add because, again, all those kind of more kind of crucial points uh, were kind of replied by, uh, by our guests. But, of course, we need to kind of remember that, uh, that those territories are still under occupation, that the situation is getting kind of more and more difficult than with each passing day. So now I'm even seeing less reports from people who remain there because, again, due to sheer amount of kind of uh, pressure they got there to share their experiences and due to fear of kind of constantly living um, that they... That, it might be somehow found out that they share kind of the situation, what's kind of what's actually happening in the occupied territories and people are kind of made aware of what kind of the repercussions they may face for this. So of course it's kind of it's important to continue to support Ukraine because again we cannot we cannot afford to get 
tired knowing that so many people are still suffering, so many voices are still unheard. Of course, I'm really happy for Sergey and his family that they managed to get out of there, but it's not the reality for like maybe hundreds of thousands of people who are just kind of unable to do so due to different kind of limitation and due to sheer uh, threat uh, to their lives. So, of course, having such kind of uh, speakers, having uh, having those uh, experiences shared on space, it's, it's very important. Um, so continue, so as of, as of audience, I'd ask to kind of continue to pay attention to those cases and uh, because they highlight what it is very important to support Ukraine because they reflect the real kind of the reality of this Russian world that is being kind of... Um, being told through propaganda by Russian forces, like the reality of that Russian world and what it really carries with it, and that giving up territories or anything like that is not even it's not even a choice or an option for Ukrainians because we know that uh, it's not real peace, but it's kind of uh, just uh, just an illusion of it. And under this illusion, there is kind of continuation of oppression, continuation of persecutions, and continuation of kind of total eradication of Ukraine as a culture, as an ethnicity, as a nationality, and like in any way there is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, incarnation is absolutely crucial. Um, and it's always absolutely essential to remember that behind every dot every on the map every weird name uh, that we're all struggling to uh, repeat uh, when we're not ukrainian or are used to the ukrainian language there are people um, simple people who just wanted to live their lives until uh, evil knocked at their doors so thank you very much Juliana, to to uh, make us more able to to understand this do you want to add something uh, I think uh, I think that's it because it's also quite late here, so I'm also be hopping off. But thank you very much for um, staying up tonight. Thank you very much for kind of tuning in for the conversation and uh, for the translation. Well, Liana, thank you very very much for for all your efforts and um, um, well, Godspeed. Wish uh, we know you have a heart big like that, but yes, also have a a bit of a tongue on you, so go ahead, tell us what you want. Thank you, Ben. Hola, pa. Hola. Uh, I uh, just wanted to make a, a final comment. Uh, I said it, I think, two hours ago or three hours ago, I don't know how, when we start. Um, and I would like to address uh, the, the, the people there that still doubt that uh, this is really happening and the things that we are hearing and talking about here in the space uh, are even real or true um with that if if you allow me ben i would like to elaborate a little uh just a few minutes uh how it started for me uh i i am following the war since day one uh, or even before as uh, the russian troops uh, positioned at the border and uh, since uh, then i am following the war uh, intensively every single day and in the beginning of the war i couldn't believe what stories were coming out from ukraine um, and i started researching by myself uh, 
in Russia or in Russian uh, channels um, to see the improvement of the war and uh, what's going on, if the Russians really knew what, what was going on and uh, how they were reacting. And I said it also a few times here in the space. <clears throat> For me, in the beginning, it was Putin's war. And um, a few weeks after the war started, I uh, began to change my, my mind because it's not only Putin's war, it's many, many, many Russians war if not all Russians, um, and uh, the atrocities that uh, we just heard from uh, Sergei, they are true. You can take my, my word for it. Uh, uh, it's worth what it's, what it's worth, but if you still doubt that this is really happening uh, with the raping, with the killing, with the torturing, uh, the enemy, I can show you video evidence of it. Um, I must warn you uh, that um, uh, this has already been documented by uh, officials um, that are documenting war crimes. But um, if you doubt that what Sergei just told and um, the things that are coming out in word from Ukraine are not real, uh, believe me, it is real. Uh, Telegram and other channels are full of video evidence and uh, it is, uh, I made a mistake to watch uh, some videos uh, like that. And believe me, uh, it is difficult to get asleep at night when you saw such things. Um, that's why um, I keep saying it is absolutely immensely important that uh, guys like Sergei uh, or other Ukrainians that are under occupation now or um, were able to flee, uh, that they share their story, that they tell us what is really going on and that they don't spare us with details because we must share their suffering. And to understand what their suffering is, we need to hear the whole story. Um, uh, yeah, that's... Um, what I wanted to add, it is uh, difficult to see a video in your mobile phone or on your iPad and then have a guy like Sergei on the space um, telling the things that you saw um, and they um, um, lived through. So um, we must fight more every single day. We must press, press our uh, officials to do more. It's not enough what we are doing. Um, that's why, please, tomorrow it starts a new week. Um, write a, a letter to your government. Um, tell them what you just heard uh, this evening uh, from a witness from Kherson and um, that it's a genocide that is going on and we need to help uh, as soon as we can. Thank you. Luis, Luis, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, you once shared with me... Um a very useful tool to to in, interact with uh, each other's governments. Uh, could you talk about it a little bit? Uh, you mean the tool where you can uh, uh, find all, all email addresses? The very same. Yeah, there is a tool uh, programmed by uh, an anonymous group. Um, 
where there are a bunch of countries in it. Um, and as you know, uh, the email addresses and contact address from your politicians in your country are publicly available, but not in a database where you just can choose um, uh, to whom you want to write and in which country. So um, there is a tool that they programmed. And like I said, there there is a bunch of countries in it. I, I believe that the entire Europe is in it, US, Canada, Australia. And uh, you just go in there, um, select the country you are in. Um, they uh, also provide you with a text that you can use or uh, you can write your own text and just send it directly to the politicians. I I'm using this um, quite often, uh, every single day, I might say. Um, and um, I, I will try to, to find it and uh, post it on my on my profile, um, pin it in there. Um, there is also another tweet uh, pinned on my, my profile that um, is one thing that we can also do to help Ukraine and stop financing this war. Um, there are still a lot of, a bunch of companies operating in Russia doing business with uh, murderers and rapists. And uh, if you are buying this product from these companies, uh, you are financing the war. It's just like that. Uh, I live in Germany. I um, am financing this war also, uh, I must say, because we are using the gas that comes from Russia. But uh, as far as I can, I stopped uh, using it in here, in, in my house and uh, with my family. And this is, the, the, if we use it all, if we stop um, buying such products or using the gas, um, Russia will not have more money to finance this war and this genocide against Ukrainians. So please, please uh, do whatever you can to help. And uh, I, I will try to find uh, the tool. The, um, the tweet that I made about the tool, and I will pin it uh, on the profile. That would be wonderful. Thank you, Lucia. So you heard it. Um, within a, maybe a, an hour or two, you can always go to to Lucia's profile and uh, the the Twitter um, the tweet that will be pinned on top will uh, be um, a direct link to this website, this wonderful website that allows you to directly contact your uh, representative without having to do any any form of digging. Uh, it even has um, um, ready-made emails for inspiration. Always change them a little bit, but it's very helpful. Um, so do do it. Do do it. And it works. It worked for me, at least. Um, Luis, do you want to, to add something? And m maybe you, you'd like to continue your your um, speech that I so rudely interrupted. Um, no, I, I think I was finished. I just wanted to express again that um, I'm, I, I am having a huge problem that um, we don't hear um, people like Sergei and um, other guests that we already have here in space on uh, international television because International television, there is a bunch of, um, and for me, I'm, I'm not a military guy, there's a bunch of uh, 
words that I don't understand about missiles and stuff like that. And um, but we, you don't get as a viewer, you don't get um, the the feeling or um, the reality that is on the ground for normal people like you and me. And that's why when we have such a guest here in the space, it's um, you should absorb every single word that comes out of their mouth because it is the reality and uh 21 uh, century uh we have the year 2022 and such things are happening in europe it's it, just unbelievable and um like i said if you doubt write to me uh dm i i will send you evidence if you have the stomach to watch um, the video evidence, I would send it to you and it's no problem. Uh, because viewing it uh, changed for me also a lot. Um, people that know me here in the space know that I'm, um, I am I speak from my heart. And when I see such things happening uh, in, in video, um, it's, uh, it's difficult to handle. But think about Sergei, and other people like him that witnessed that on their um, life in Ukraine, they had to they had to go through that. It's uh, beyond words. Thanks a lot, Luis. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, always worth worth pondering um, both the word and the reality you're you're pointing to. Uh, Slava, Ukraine, did you want to intervene? Uh, not intervene, but add some information that I, th I think was lost uh, during translation because I know uh, it was uh, very emotional and very, very, hard, very hard topic, very hard story. So I would like to add some information that Sergei uh, tried to uh, make important information that He's trying to appeal to everyone who hear this that you, you really should try to appeal to your government, to people in power, to stop any dealings with the Russia because this helps uh, uh, make this injustice in the Ukrainian territory through the Russian soldiers. And as he said that Russian soldiers feeling in Ukraine like uh, at home. So I, it's really important to understand that they come in Ukraine and really feeling that this is their place and they're going to stay here. they absolutely sure that this is for long. This is like a forever for, for them. And um, they, they are wrong. And... I'm yes. sorry to interrupt you, but they're not wrong. For many of them, it will be forever. Ah, I see. I see what you mean. What you mean. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, a lot of them are going to stay. Some going to stay in prison. Some going to be uh, in the ground. Yes, but they are going to not be, have a great living, great life here because they are occupiers and no one in Ukraine Love needs them, and no one gonna love him, them here. So, another uh, point that was missed uh, uh, when Sergei said uh, that they are safe in the Netherlands, but they are missing Ukraine, and they wanna live in Ukraine. They they wanna have their own life in Ukraine. They do not plan 
to stay for long in some other country or make a new life in other country. And I confirm it, a lot of Ukrainians uh, don't take this, uh, let's say, war, this situation, just like, um, oh, this happened, now I move on and make life where, where somewhere is safe. But I totally understand uh, Sergei. What he says that he now in safe place, he now can sleep uh, um, more peaceful. Uh, I can say for myself because uh, it's like a, maybe one week without the air raid alerts, and I sleep in better. And he's wanna uh, return to Ukraine. It is very important to understand Ukrainians want to live in Ukraine. They do not uh, take this situation to in their uh, purpose to uh, easy move somewhere in the uh, Europe or United States, like doing Russia. Russia, Russians go to the uh, pretend uh, protest, uh, then take photo and then appeals to the U.S. to uh, take like a free ride to the U.S. or maybe to Europe. But Ukrainians want to live in Ukraine. So it is one point that I wanted to mention that Ukrainians want to live in Ukraine and make a living in Ukraine, uh, work in Ukraine and caring for their life, for their uh, families, for their children. So this is one of the points. And also to remind that I totally understand them uh, when he said that when the Russian come, you should understand that uh, we have in Ukraine great uh, banking system, international system. Uh, sorry, okay. sorry, uh, sorry, I'm in okay. Slava. Uh, I just need to tell you that I'm having a bit of a technical problem. Uh, so any people, any person who wanted to, who sent me a request, a uh, speaker request, I was not uh, ignoring them. I just was not seeing them. Um, so uh, it's going to take me probably 10 minutes to, to cycle back up, but uh, don't be discouraged and uh, ask again um, in 10 minutes. Sorry, um, Lava, uh, go ahead. I, I, um, no I must, uh, I'm sorry to have inter interrupted you. No, no problem. It's all fine. I understand Twitter is having a glitch day in the matrix. So just to remind that in Ukraine, we really have civilized life banking system, money system, internet moving really, really, really well. So people feel a freedom to move, uh, move around, uh, buy what you want. But when Russians come, they totally uh, close this system. It puts the uh, Russian uh, paper, toilet paper, ruble. And with this uh, system is completely uh, crazy. So, uh, for, for the Ukrainians to switch from from civilized life to this uh, backwards life, it is completely crazy. So it's not just hard to live in this occupied uh, state when you always closely watched and uh, in the threat to be killed or tortured or maybe raped, but it is just every day it's really hard. I totally understand them. them in Russian, just disregard Ukrainian lives, and it is um, 
I hope you understood that it is hard topic, but is it is true. I totally hear it on the our, our informational marathon who runs also twenty four seven. So it is absolutely true and absolutely um, ter terrible, terrible. So I'm gonna stop talking. So thank you. And with that, Ben, we welcome our friend Portland because. He and I had a little chit chat, and there seems to be a few. <clears throat> there seem to be a few bits and bobs we didn't know about eight hours ago. Portland, I'm sorry, you you letting ex con speak on the on the space? Sorry, what? He he was in jail not long ago. He's the man is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, he was visiting to get some people out there. <laughs> Portland. Yeah, no, I caught a 12-hour Twitter ban for bullying a Russian troll. So, you know, I, I am a Twitter convict. Uh, I am dangerous. The risk of recidivism is very high. Um, okay. Is that the first level of badge of honor? Uh, I don't know, but if it's not, it should be. All right, um, let's shoot. What happened in Belgorod? Okay, so this was a much more elaborate and carefully put together attack than we first uh than we first knew so i'm looking at seven thermal signatures on firms i'm waiting for satellite photos i don't have those yet um i'll be able to be a bit more concrete about the situation when i have those so there is still a degree of fuzziness here so we've got seven thermal signatures three are in a residential uh neighborhood and appear to be consistent with um with basically house fires um there's none of the intense heat that you would expect from um from them being hit with with a a munition deliberately um i'll i'll be able to tell more later but we also have photos from those areas showing at least one of them with the tail end of a Panzer missile sticking out of the remains of a window. So those appear to be the result of Russian shootdowns. Now we've got two thermal signatures up by the airport, uh, one of which is in um, some sort of warehouse, uh, and one of which is in um the main fuel dump so the ukrainians have hit the main fuel dump at belgorod uh international airport quote unquote which is also a military airbase and they've hit some sort of storage facility it's an above ground storage facility that's burning really hot like 1300 degrees celsius or or thereabouts which is um interesting a wee bit hot yeah that i mean that's that's about 500 de degrees hotter than a structure fire should be burning so there's something in there that is deeply deeply flammable then we've got two more thermal signatures in this big industrial district to the west of the main boulevard that divides the city in two um those appear to be one appears to be a chemical plant the other i think might make uh additives for concrete i'm not too sure yet um 
So as for the munitions that were used, well, we've got the wreckage um, of uh, what looks like at least one TU-141 loitering drone, uh, which the Ukrainians have been very skillfully repurposing as suicide drones. Um, so that's one one factor. We have the wreckage of a... Uh, we have the tail of a Tochka-U, which appears to have been broken in half, probably by a mid-air interception. So we know that Tochka was used. Um, I suspect that Tochka was probably used against these big industrial targets here. Um, just because those are big area targets, you can be a little bit imprecise and not risk not have an unacceptable risk of hitting civilian targets but we still have the continuing mystery of this falling projectile which was falling too fast sorry uh falling too slow to be tochka um was coming in at the wrong angle um and didn't have a very big primary so at the moment, we know that Tochka was used in at least two of these hits. Um, we know that a number of TU-141s were also used, and we've got video of a shootdown of one of them, and we've got video of the wreckage. Um, and we've got two more point targets that appear to have been hit with extreme precision. That Those could be lucky... There, there are a couple of ways to explain this. One, it's a potato quality camera. It's Russia. Potato quality cameras exist. And it may be telling my software that it's shooting at 30 frames a second when it's actually shooting, you know, something wildly different. There, there could be um, edge defects in the lens, which means that possibly some of these objects that I was trying to look at to determine the width of the field of regard and therefore determine the depth of the field of regard. Um, maybe those could be further apart than I, than I thought. Um, on the other hand, you know, it could be a lucky, lucky hit with a Tochka. I, I kind of don't buy that because that's like four lucky hits in a row um so the jury's still out when i get satellite photos and i can do uh really good detailed bomb damage assessments i can figure out what the 20 psi zone is all of that kind of uh uh happy clappy stuff um happy clappy mathy stuff i guess um i will be able to tell you for sure what hit these other two targets but yeah, this was a very, very well-planned, very detailed, very elaborate strike using at least three different types of munitions with wildly different flight profiles and levels of performance that they synchronized to absolute perfection. Um, what kind of deflection did they use? What, did they have two different squads of aircraft up? Um, yes. So what I'm looking at here is um, it looks to me like the likely shootdowns on the TU-141s 
those came in from the east. So they they penetrated Russian territory uh, probably, I'm not sure which river this is here, but uh, I think that might be the Siversky Donetsk. Um, but they penetrated Russian airspace from the east. It looks to me like the ballistic missiles came in from the south. That would be the first show of um, that form of combined arms on their side um, in a few weeks. I mean, they've done uh, a bit of deflective, you know, um, at the perimeter action once on Snake Island. They've done it for the Moskva. Yeah, I, I get that. But it's it's quite unique that they would do it now and specifically in contested space. It's a little bit of a, uh, it's a, a ballsy. Hang on a second. Sorry. Uh, momentary distraction. Um, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, the, the Ukrainians have a little bit of a track record of, um, of this kind of very elaborate joined up air operations. They, they, they do do this. Um, they don't do it all the time because I think they don't have enough airframes and they don't have enough pilots. So generally speaking, they're looking at husbanding those resources as carefully as they can. But what they've really demonstrated when you look at the Moskva, you look at Snake Island, you look at this attack, they actually do have the ability to execute this kind of, um, really very elaborate uh, combined munition operation really quite skillfully. The The thing is, is that like the three shoot downs that we're looking at here, I am 99% confident that the Ukrainians like knew for sure that they were going to lose those three. Uh, and that's why they fed the Russians uh, cheap, low, perf low performance targets so that they would have shit to shoot at while the actual damage was being done somewhere else. So but doesn't that require actually two squads up? I mean, this is not enough to have just one double pack of them. That requires an elaborate mission profile of at least four aircraft. Um, possible, but these were... Um, th the evidence that I'm looking at says that these were pretty dumb drones, the TU-141, uh, just it has a waypoint following uh, INS system, and then it dives on a target. So it looks plausible that they would have brought these in from at least two different directions, but there's no actual hard evidence of that um, uh, because all I'm, of I'm just going by the logic of what you described yeah. so far and the fact that essentially you need this for deflection because... Uh, otherwise, if, if you have to turn away, if you get a lock on uh, from one of their systems, uh, you have to turn away. And then the other ones can drop to the hard deck. Um, so I actually don't think that they use any manned aircraft. I think they used uh, loitering. Uh, so the TU-141 is basically a target drone that the Ukraine... I, I but yeah. you're sure that it's only drone attack? Um, I am not seeing any evidence here of manned fixed wing. I'm seeing four ballistic missile strikes and three shoot downs. Um, yeah. Well, no, I'll rephrase I that. I'm seeing three ballistic missile strikes, 
three shoot downs and one thing that looks like it got hit with a suicide drone. See, this is where this is where our misunderstanding was. I thought, and I still believe that this is what they've done, um, that in order to deflect from the missile strikes and the location, that they would have used loitering aircraft, yet again at the perimeter, flying sorties, trying to, you know, distract them. So on an operational level, yeah, that is something that you would want to do. But the thing about that is that if you do it well, it doesn't leave any evidence behind you. So that's something that we can presume, but we can't know for sure because, like, it doesn't leave anything on fire. Yeah, unless, of course, they, they, uh, the, uh, say the air defense systems would have been all up in a, in a say, well, more um, comprehensive capacity and we would have seen more firings going on. But then, okay, I don't have any evidence. Uh, I'm just thinking about what you described, and it, it sounds to me that I, I would, in order to create such an elaborate mission, I would saturate their systems. I would make them so busy that they wouldn't even know where heads and tails are. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I, uh, uh, I, I think that that is, um, that's, that's pretty much how I would do it. I am only saying that um, when you do that skillfully, oh, hang on. That's interesting. Two more thermal signatures down towards the border, and those are much more recent. I wonder how hot they are. Interesting. Have a look at that. I think finance has a question. Okay. Well, first I wanted to congratulate Portland on, uh, uh, you know, t tasseling with uh, a Russian troll. Yeah, sometimes you need a ban. It happens. We, uh, I view that as a positive sign around here. Um, I'd also like to ask, um, given all I've heard about the sort of revolutionary Ukrainian targeting system that, you know, allows really fast, like under five minute counter fire for Ukrainian artillery, is it possible that Ukraine has just figured out a way to be more accurate? Um, so you would need to, um, it, it's plausible. Um, but you would need to replace the um, the gyro with a uh, ring laser gyro. You would need um, probably a laser accelerometer. Um, you would need probably. I'm not sure how how refined you would need to get with your thrust flow sensor. Um, the hardware changes to uh, take a missile from, you know, 95 to 150 meters accuracy all the way to, you know, under 10 meters accuracy are actually really quite elaborate. Um, and I'm not sure that Tochka, with its, its relatively dumb uh, warhead fusing and and not especially impressive range considering how big they are um, would be worth the effort but like it's it's plausible it's a thing that you could do and that would certainly be a, a confounding variable because I'm still looking at one of these munitions coming in that just you know doesn't make any goddamn sense is that how hard or easy is that kind of hardware change to do um, I mean, you're talking about basically tearing the entire missile to pieces, uh, tearing out um, relatively simple mechanical components, replacing them with extremely elaborate electronic components, 
building new interfaces to allow the missile guidance computer to interpret data from those components uh, and then putting everything back together again. It would make sense to build another missile. Yeah, so this is not like just one or two parts in a, in a, in a better launching uh, device. This, is, you, you, this isn't uh, an easily feasible idea. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, it's it's plausible. Um, it's it's uh, it's something that you could do. I just don't know why you would. Um, yeah. Importantly, it doesn't sound like something a resource-constrained military would do. Yeah, I think that that is definitely fair. It it doesn't sound like something that that you would you would want to put that much time into. Okay. All good points. Um, important. If you, if you have a second, can you remind me what has been hit? Because um, with all this, I sort of lost the, the track. Okay, so we've got um, a an above-ground warehouse um, attached to the airport that is burning. Actually, that thing started to cool off now, so I think that thing's going to go out pretty soon. Um, that's That's only at... A brightness of about 284 or thereabouts. That's that's not that hot anymore. Um, there is a fuel dump which is way the fuck on fire. Um, that that looks quite angry. Um, that's also attached to the airport. There is there are two hits in an industrial district in the um sort of the west central portion of the city uh one of which appears to be um an industrial solvents or something like that factory and the other one looks like being a cement additives factory or something of that nature i'm not totally certain and then we've got uh down in the residential areas We've got three more hotspots which are burning about at the temperature that you would expect a house fire to burn. And they're not they're not overly hot. Um, let's just see what else I can find on here. Um, but those appear to be the product of surface to air missile shootdowns because at least one of them was photographed with the tail of a Panzer missile sticking out uh, of the window. Um, so, you know, and also from the photos that I've seen, um, there is one house that is like utterly demolished, but the houses around it appear damaged, but not flattened. And the 20 PSI blast wave um, that should flatten a, you know, a civilian structure house of a thousand pounds of high explosive is supposed to be around 122 meters. So on the basis that, you know, they didn't get absolutely flattened, uh, I would say, you know, that's not a Tochka strike. That is uh, heavy objects falling from altitude at speed. Uh, landed on that house, and that is how you have a Tochka, the, the back end of a Tochka, um, landing near the river between these two, uh, between these three hotspots and the tail end of a Panzer missile 
um, sticking out of the window on one of the uh, on one of the buildings. Now, what I have just noticed is that there are some slightly more recent hotspots um, down south. Uh, really, you've got to look uh, south southwest of the uh, of the city. There are the, these two hotspots seem a little more recent, but their brightness indications are extremely high. Um, so that indicates. Um, actually, hang on. Am I reading that wrong? I'm just going to go back and check. 25. No, no, I'm not reading that wrong. That's really fucking bright. Um, so it looks like we've got two more hotspots in what looks like a grass field, uh, down towards the Ukrainian border. And that would tend to indicate two more shoot downs, um, and something hot and flammable uh, is sitting in the middle of those fields still burning. Because those are burning way hotter than a grass fire would burn. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Um, if, if you can wait a second, um, I think we have a lot of questions for you. And the first one, and me included. And the first one is coming from Gurney. And then we'll go to Mr. Finan. Hey, thanks. Uh, hey, Portland, curious. So, um, was just to just to set my understanding on all of it. Was is the timing of all this last night? Um, are these were these strikes uh, in a similar last night, or were there new ones? I'm just trying to get a baseline understanding of of um, what what we're pulling up. I think these strikes occurred um, around 9 p.m. my time yesterday. So these are oh twelve. Uh, they're about 18 hours old, something like that. Oh, okay. And what do you, what do we have for, um, what do we have for photographic evidence? Um, or, or what, what I'm just out of the loop on it. What, what do you have when, when you, when these things are on fire? Is it, is it just firms data? Are there things that, that go along with it? Um, so this has been a really interesting incident because there is a ton of video. There is a ton of photographic evidence from, from the area um we've got videos of the strikes coming in we've got photographs of the uh blast zones uh we've got photographs of the wreckage we've got firms data uh but i am still waiting for high-res satellite images so that i can do like a really thorough bomb damage assessment. Gotcha. Okay. Because when I search for it, and, and this is just, I'm noticing this. So there's quite a bit of um, Russian media out there, clearly, in response to it. Um, since since the, the it was in the middle of the night, most of these attacks, and they've since had daytime. Um, and they've even you know put some local civilians on the spot. So it seems like they're forming... A narrative, but I was trying to find you know pictures um, of of airfield or any of those fuel depots, and, and maybe I'm missing it or overlooking it. I remember seeing the the Toshka shells and, and the residential civilian uh, building, but I didn't I didn't remember if I had seen or come across any like critical infrastructure that was on fire or not. So maybe I'm I'm overlooking. Um, so I haven't seen any photos from the scene of the strikes that I consider most interesting yet. I've only seen the photos that, that this is a Russian controlled area. So they're only putting out the photos that suit their narrative. I won't be able to do a, a really concrete bomb damage assessment on what was 
on how badly stuff was hit uh, until I get those high-res satellite images, which I'm still waiting for. I am just observing at this point that if you go on firms, um, so the first thing I did was I geolocated uh, roughly um, where I expected those strikes to be, which was, you know, um, respectively south of the airport and in the industrial district based on all of the videos that we had. Um, I was able to, to reasonably solidly geolocate the camera people and then get a cross fix by looking at um, where those things were pointing relative to some very tall structures. Um, uh, I'm not actually even sure what those structures were, but there were some very strange looking, very tall smokestack looking structures that uh, were visible in both cameras. So um, both, uh, um, yeah, video, uh, visible on both videos. So I was able to cross fix and say, okay, that looks like um, the area, you know, south, uh, east-ish of the airport where the logistics hubs are. Um, and lo and behold, you know, I go on firms and there's a big fucking fire. Um, when I get now, if, uh, you know, Axel will say yesterday, you know, yesterday I was saying, um, based on the one video I was looking at, this doesn't look like a Tochka strike. And it turns out that maybe the video I was, the specific video I was looking at wasn't a Tochka strike, but there were at least two others that were Tochka strike. Um, and we've got enough different stuff going on here that, that once again, you know, we, we've got the Ukrainians playing uh, very elaborate games with simultaneous time on target attacks from multiple different angles. So, you know, the, the, the picture is a little bit confusing. And when I when I get the satellite images, I will I will be able to tell a little bit more about what happened. Yeah. And that's th thank fine. you for that. Fuck because first three messages are always wrong you know yeah no i was just i was so the only thing that's unusual to me isn't isn't any of that so if we've seen uh the, the belgorod uh helicopter strikes much earlier on um i you know i know it's in russian controlled territory um and they've in terms of the daytime tv coverage they've certainly the russians have certainly coordinated their their media against it but they they don't do well at suppressing the telegram channels and the in the um, incidents because if I if I'm also looking back at that um, that remember that suicide drone strike on the refinery now again uh, the Bilgorod helicopter strike was at night but we still got uh, vid video of that and then the refinery strike was daytime the suicide drone strike my the only thing that's raising my my caution flag here isn't the the video we've seen I, I've seen the intercept in the air um, the explosions over Belgorod my my only hesitation is is there, there's a large Russian media presence um, and there's some imagery from night, but then there's nothing else. And we usually sometimes get some feedback from that. So, so I, I don't know how to interpret that. 
um, I don't know how to interpret if those are being suppressed, because usually even if there is um, some sort of coordinated counter Russian narrative from that, there's still usually leaks at the edges, some of these these bigger fires, whether they're at night or daytime. So that just makes my like um, my curiosity factor go up if there was infrastructure hit uh, as, as usually sometimes that leaks around the edges. So I'll just take the omission of it at the time being to just keep raising my curiosity level to just sort of try to understand yeah, I'm I'm pretty suspicious of it too. Um, but to be fair, you know, generally speaking, I take all of that data. Uh, it gives me a rough idea of where to look, and then I do my investigation on sources that I know the Russians can't tamper with anyway. You know, I I tend to take all of that stuff with a very hefty pinch of salt, uh, regardless. So, you know, y- yes, it's weird. It's suspicious. Um, this potato quality video that I, I was looking that was confusing me so much yesterday, um, that, that's, that's a bit weird. And honestly, if there was nothing on firms, I would just be like, all right, you know, it's a nothing burger. It's bullshit. They're, they're pulling some crap. It's a propaganda narrative thing, but uh, on the other hand, there is a whole bunch of shit in roughly the right places that is definitely on fire. So, you know, we we have to interpret things in line with the facts we can see. Of, of course, absolutely. And and it's just, you know, it could be even there's maybe there's no residential houses around uh, that. I, I haven't looked at airfield structure. So perhaps the, it was too far away for people to get, you know, eyes on with their phones or to even even try to film it but yeah yeah thank you portland no i was i'm not have have no qualms there with your analysis i just look at the omission and i'm like hmm why why aren't why aren't we seeing more videos um of it but anyway sorry that was my no i i I agree i think it's weird as shit um i i i would expect something like the one video that i have gotten indicated to me that this was a very very big explosion at the fuel depot. I mean, monstrously big. Um, And I would have expected, like, I think I got that explosion from just two angles. Um, I would have expected everyone and their cousin and their cousin's dog to be uploading that to Telegram. And I just, I just haven't seen it. So it's a bit weird. So um, I wanted to chime in with a few messages that I wanted to convey to you. Well, first of one, first of all, please take notice of the name of the space. We're getting ready for something very special for tonight. And uh, actually for almost a whole special military operation. Uh, I cannot disclose all of the details, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to start in a couple of hours from now. And uh, please stay put. Again, it's going to be worth it and worth of your time. And it's going to be something very, very special. That said, there is a link in the nest, a tweet, which also just announced that. I want all of you to actually to like it, to share it, to retweet it. It's also an announcement for our special military operation for tonight. And... Uh, on top of that, we are almost done with our fundraising um, push. Again, we need less than $1,000 to finish this off. I believe we can easily do it. Uh, we are almost done with the fundraising uh, campaign for 